HVAC 360, episode number 12. My interview with Lynn Bellinger, ASHRAE president for the 2010-2011 Society Year. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of HVAC 360. I'm your host, Matt Nelson. This week, I'm very excited to present my interview that I did with Lynn Bellinger. Now, this has a little bit, this episode has a little bit of dust on it. I haven't released it in a timely fashion. I've had some things going on. But we have it now in the can, so to speak, and uh, we're ready to release it. So this is actually... Uh, there's a couple of firsts here. This is going to be my first bona fide episode uh, of HVAC 360. If uh, you've noticed some little shenanigans that I've been playing with the, uh, with the episodes, I've been converting from uh, Building Chatter to HVAC 360. And this is like the first uh, real episode that I'm doing. So episode number 12, thank you, Lynn. Uh, another interview with the ASHRAE president, and you know it was really great of her to take time out of her schedule uh, to talk with us uh, regarding you know what she sees in in ASHRAE and uh, just a little bit about uh, her background and how she got into it. Um, the couple of more things that I wanted to kind of uh, point out: this is actually going to be uh, the first Skype call uh, that I've recorded, so uh, I think the sound quality went pretty well. But uh, you can be the judge of that. If you have any feedback uh, for me, uh, you can email me at matt at buildingx.co. That's matt at buildingx.co. Now we will jump right into the episode with Lynn Bellinger. Today I'm talking with Lynn Bellinger, the current president of ASHRAE for the 2010-2011 Society Year. Uh, thanks, Lynn, for talking with me. It's my pleasure, Matt. Uh, yeah. So I got to ask, how's your term going so far? It's been an exciting year. It's hard to believe there are only two months left, but I'm very excited about the things that our ASHRAE members have accomplished this year, and I think it's been a, a terrific year. Now, do you have a, a presidential theme to go along with your? Uh... Yes, my theme is modeling a sustainable world, and that's focusing on the role that the powerful tools that we have in energy modeling, um, building information modeling, computational fluid dynamics, to really understand and explore opportunities and how a building is going to behave long before it's built. And it gives us the opportunity to refine our designs and really um, hone in on various aspects that we never were able to do in the past before we had these powerful tools. Now, is this something that you're familiar with? As why you choose a, chose a theme like that? Yes, I've been I've been using energy modeling really throughout my entire career. My first job was at um, plant engineering and maintenance in Xerox back in the in the late seventies, and we had an opportunity there to use a heating and cooling load calculation program to analyze an existing building, and we discovered not only had the systems been very much oversized, which was typical in that time period, but also that the systems were running much higher than design. So we had a tremendous opportunity to get energy savings by rebalancing the systems to what they actually needed. And we've used that approach really throughout my career 
and uh, so in various forms and using a wide variety of programs. Um, I've really been doing energy modeling my entire career. So what made you first made you decide to become an ASHRAE president? <laughs> well, it's really um, not totally a conscious choice because it's up to the nominating committee to choose the candidates. But I had the opportunity to serve on the ASHRAE board of directors in the mid-90s as a director at large, and then after that, uh, two years as an ASHRAE vice president. And it's really being exposed to the executive committee and understanding how exciting it would be to be able to direct the efforts of the society for a year that, you know, I realized that would that, that was something that I would very much enjoy. Now, I guess we have to, uh, I want to take a step back here um, because not everybody knows we're throwing away, throwing around the word ASHRAE. Uh, that stands for the American Society of Heating, Refrigerating, and Air Conditioning Engineers. Now, as president, um, I can, I, I'll, I'll put you on the spot. And can you give me your elevator pitch on ASHRAE and, and, and what it means and what it does to you? Certainly. In fact, as, as a matter of fact, when somebody asks me what ASHRAE is, I no longer spell out the acronym because it's, it's long, it's kind of wordy, and, and it's not really what people want to hear. What they want to know is that ASHRAE deals with the built environment and providing healthy, comfortable conditions in whatever space they're in, whether it's transportation or a building, um, in the most cost-effective, energy-efficient manner possible. And we provide the tools for our members to be able to do that. Excellent. Um, what, what has been your highlight of, the, of your presidency so far? That's, that's a challenging question because there have been so many positive features. But I would say the extreme opportunities for collaboration among um, with other groups, uh, writing standards together, writing publishing documents together, really taking to our joint members the opportunities to really advance building science and the performance of buildings. And we've been dealing, we've been growing in our collaborative efforts over the past few years, and I think that just continues to be a very positive aspect of what's happening in ASHRAE today. Now, have there been any surprises? Obviously, you're like, okay, well, I'll be president. You've talked to past presidents. What kind of caught you off guard? Like, uh, this is this is different than why I thought it would be. Well, I think the, the most surprising thing is the involvement in the day-to-day -day activities. Um, I knew that there would be a huge number of emails every day, and, and that's been true. But a lot deal with making a decision on the spot or, or responding to somebody um, very quickly on an individual, you know, daily issue. And so I think it's been critical to be responsive and uh, no matter where I'm traveling, to try to stay in touch by email and be able to respond to challenges that come up. Now, recently, uh, within the past couple of weeks, you've had a um, an energy modeling summit, so to speak, at the ASHRAE headquarters building. Um, is that the first time that that's been uh, done, and am I accurately describing what it is? Yes, that's the first specialty conference we've ever held on energy modeling, um, and that it was so successful we were not able to hold it at ASHRAE headquarters because we ran out of room, so we moved it over to the um, hotel where everyone was staying, where we had larger meeting rooms available. We ended up with over 200, I think something like 220 people registered for the conference, 
and they represented eight different countries and 33 different states within the United States. So it was a, a huge success. And it's my understanding the Conference and Exposition Committee is already planning to hold a follow-up conference sometime next year on the same subject because of its immense success. Now, is there, has, there, has there been any talk about doing other uh, kind of uh, conferences the same way, or um, is this, are they going to strictly stick to energy modeling for now? No, we generally hold one or two specialty conferences each year, and there's already a conference planned next year on low-energy buildings, and that's following up on the success of our Net Zero Energy Building Conference that was held in March several years ago. So there always are at least one or two conferences in the planning stages. So after your presidency, um, what uh, what job are you gonna you're gonna return back to? Because obviously it's it's you know this isn't this isn't your just full time job. I mean right now it is, but um, what's your what's your so to speak your what's your day job once once the presidency is over? I'm a partner with Pathfinder Engineers and Architects in Rochester, New York, and I'll be returning to that position. Uh, when my presidency is over, when I'm in town, I do go to the office, but, but typically even then I'm involved with responding to ASHRAE emails or phone calls and not really focusing on the business. So I'm looking forward to um, the opportunity to re-engage with my partners and with our employees on uh, doing energy efficiency on a day-to-day basis um, for our clients. Excellent. So... I guess what made you, you know, going way back, what made you take up engineering? Well, oddly enough, Matt, it was um, it was a curious choice. My my dad was an engineer at at Kodak, and that was back in the time when um, it was mostly a male profession. My perception of engineers was, was they, you know, had a brush cut, <laughs> wore sort of shapeless gray suits, middle aged white men, and uh, really didn't appeal to me at all. But I majored in mathematics and then went on and got a master's in environmental science at Rutgers University. And when I was looking for a job related to the environment, um, I ended up working in the environmental group at Plant Engineering and Maintenance for Xerox in my hometown and um, fairly quickly realized that um, that there was someone in another department who, who could really help me understand my job and what I needed to do and he had previously been in the environmental group but was now the only senior engineer in the company working on a new project called energy management or energy conservation. So we worked together. Um, I was in his office two and three times a day asking questions about my job, and we discovered after a couple months that it, that it would be a lot more interesting for me to come work for him. So that really launched my career in, in energy conservation and uh got interested in engineering that way. So I didn't have an engineering degree. I have a math and science degree. And then I've taken PE review classes. And uh, after I had sufficient time in the field, I was able to, to take and pass professional engineering exam. So I am a, a licensed professional engineer in several states, but uh, do not have an engineering degree. Okay. Um, now, I, I, I guess we'll, we'll point out you are the first uh, woman president of ASHRAE. That's that's quite the distinction. Um, you're number one, but um, wh- I guess what would you you know you have some reservation uh, reservations at first because of the the type of 
you know, I, I guess people in the in the field. What would you say to other you know uh, aspiring women that that want to get into this field? Um, I guess any sort of advice for them. Well, I don't think there are any limitations, Matt. I think Ashray welcomes women and, and people of other ethnic backgrounds with open arms, and we've seen the percentage of members that fall into those categories um, grow slowly but steadily. So I think really anybody who has an active interest in being involved and sharing their time in, in furthering ASHRAE's interests um, certainly has an opportunity to do so. We have, uh, I think, five women on the board of directors right now. We have a number of committee members and committee chairs that are women. And uh, I just don't think there are any boundaries. So if it, if it interests you, go for it. Excellent. Um, now, is there anything, now knowing where you're at now, is there anything that you would do differently, um, anything that you would change in, in, in your career? I can't think of anything offhand. Okay. Um, perhaps on more of a ref- reflection I would, but mm-hmm. um, no, I'm quite pleased the way things have gone. Okay. Now... What what has uh, obviously what has Ashray get kind of getting back into that a little bit? What has your involvement in Ashray uh, meant to you? I mean, what what has that done for your career? How has that kind of uh, interplayed um, even in the early stages? I guess. You know, I don't think I can I could begin to separate Ashray from my career. It's been so integral to its progress. The person that I mentioned earlier that I started to work with early on pointed out that if you're going to be in this industry, you really need to belong to ASHRAE. So I immediately joined and got involved with the Energy Management Committee, um, chaired that after a year or so, and then was asked to go up through the chairs. So really, my involvement with, with ASHRAE started at the beginning of my career and has been continuous throughout. The The opportunities you gain through various leadership positions to learn how to run a meeting, um, how to work with p- different types of people and get them engaged, get them involved, regardless of their <clears throat> their backgrounds. Um, you really get a lot of pro- management training by being involved as an ASHRAE volunteer. So it's been integral to my career, and the, the people that I've met have become friends and colleagues and people that I can call on if I have a question, whether it's business-related or technically related, you know, I feel like I have this vast reserve of resources um, that I can call upon. So it's just been a, an integral part of my career. Now, I guess, what is the best way for somebody who's, who's just getting into uh, the field? What, what's the best way for them to get involved? How would, how, would you, um, yeah, how would you relay that to them? Well, partly it depends on whether they're interested in, in excuse me, being active locally, um, we pretty much have chapters throughout the world. We have 176 chapters in um, in countries around the globe. So getting involved locally is certainly one opportunity by going to the chapter meetings. But there also is a, there are, is a vast number of members who are active not necessarily at the chapter level, but have gotten involved in the ASHRAE technical committees. And we have over 100 technical committees on specific topics related to our industry that meet twice a year at the winter meeting and winter conference and annual conference. 
but also do work in between um, using email and conference calls. And that really advances our industry. The technical committees are responsible for identifying the research that's needed, writing the work statement, um, writing, evaluating proposals, tracking the projects, um, writing our handbook chapters. So the technical committees really are a very fundamental part of advancing our technology. So either through the chapter level or through the technical committees or other society committees as far as that goes, um, there's really a broad array of opportunities to be involved. Now, if, and I kind of know the answer, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you, you answer this. Now, say, for instance, I just joined ASHRAE. I, I might have a couple of years of, of HVAC experience. You know, it's kind of intimidating to, to get on a technical committee with a bunch of experts. Um, do you have to be an expert to, to join um, at a society level to, to, to get involved with the committees? No, you don't need to be an expert. You need to be willing to, to work hard and contribute. Um, a number of our technical committees, certainly we rely on the expert to update, experts to update our handbook chapters, but, but there's a place for the newcomers. My first activity at the society level um, was joining a technical committee, and I, I will say I did feel a little bit intimidated, but uh, the people there were very helpful and encouraging and really enabled me to make a contribution um, to the way I was welcomed. So, no, kind of moving on, getting your uh, um, um, kind of your, your soothsayer hat on. What is the uh, as far as the um, most significant changes you see uh, coming up and presenting themselves to our industry? Probably, you know, within the next five years. Say. Well, I think one of the biggest opportunities is going to be participation and helping guide the direction of the smart grid. Right now, ASHRAE is working on a standard called the Standard 201P, the Facility Smart Grid Information Model, that will help determine how we communicate with the utility companies and receive and transmit information. As we get closer to a smart grid where we'll be receiving signals from our energy suppliers saying there's a brownout coming or there's a, going to be a higher cost of electricity and you need to respond um, to that need, um, ASHRAE is helping define the requirements and the communication protocols for communicating with the smart grid. And I think that will be increasingly important as we move forward. Now, ASHRAE has a uh, uh, um, kind of a, a, a bureau, I guess, <laughs> so to speak. How would you, how would you describe the, uh, the uh, ASHRAE in Washington? Well, we've had tremendous success over the last few years. Our Washington staff has done a tremendous job in communicating to congressional people the availability of ASHRAE expertise and our willingness to provide commentary and provide educational opportunities. Our Washington staff has, has helped create the High Performance Building Congressional Caucus Coalition, which meets monthly and provides a briefing for congressional staffers on topics related to high-performance buildings. And ASHRAE doesn't even conduct all of the briefings. We set them up, but we often invite other colleagues, such as the U.S. Green Building Council or the Illuminating Engineering Society or other groups to come and make a presentation on a topic that will help educate the staffers. So I think over the last few years, we've really, through our Washington office, helped position ASHRAE as the go-to organization 
for getting answers on building efficiency. Now, what sort of policies have been developed recently um, that you could kind of highlight? Well, we always are promoting energy efficiency as our first fuel, if you will, understanding the opportunities to make our existing buildings more energy efficient and promote energy efficiency in new building design. So that's a a focus that we've had um, for a number of years, but it's a message that can't be conveyed um, too frequently or or, uh, to too many people because it's just very important for our legislators to understand the, the value of energy efficiency. One of the things that we're focusing on now is making sure that we have good data for benchmarking buildings and understanding what's realistic. It's um, convenient for legislators, or it's appealing for legislators to set percentage targets, but we need to make sure that percentage targets are realistic, and um, some building types can achieve much deeper energy savings than others. Um, Hospitals, for example, are very energy intensive, or laboratory buildings, and while there are a number of techniques to make them more efficient, um, setting arbitrary targets for percentage improvements um, really require a depth of understanding of how different building types operate. So ASHRAE has been involved with the Washington um, and the U.S. very intensively. Now, ASHRAE being an international organization, how has the outreach been for uh, for other countries? It's It's been very positive, and it, it depends, of course, a great deal on the local chapters in those other countries. But um, the Philippines, for example, has written have written an energy conservation standard that's patterned very closely to ASHRAE Standard 90.1, and that's been adopted in their country. In Kuwait, um, through Kuwait University and the government of Kuwait, we were able to adapt ASHRAE Standard 90.2, our energy efficiency standard for low-rise residential buildings, to accommodate the climate zones and the construction types in Kuwait and make that relevant for their country. So we see a lot of of our chapter members being active um, locally in their in their nation to help promote energy efficiency. Now, speaking of international, have you done any international traveling for ASHRAE? Yes, we've we've taken a number of trips, um, starting with the regional conferences. In the fall, we went to a regional conference uh, in Singapore in August, and then a month later, a, a different regional conference in Cairo, Egypt. Um, we've also had the opportunity to visit with our colleagues in, in England, in SIPSI, in the Chartered Institute of Building Services Engineers, and several other conferences around the world, which really gives us a good opportunity to, to see what's happening in other countries and to um, provide exposure and represent ASHRAE at those conferences. And I have to say, Matt, anywhere I've gone, whether it's been a conference or a chapter meeting, um, or any other type of, of organizational meeting. They've just been so delighted to have ASHRAE represented. The stature of ASHRAE worldwide is really immeasurable. It's, it's very, very highly regarded throughout the world. Now, I, I guess uh, globally speaking, or the, the different places that you visited, I guess how 
you know, how does energy efficiency of buildings fit into, um, you know, those type of countries? Are, there, are they very focused on it? Are there other bigger items that they, they, they're focusing on now or are there different items that they, uh, uh, they take a look at? I would say everywhere I've been, there is a very strong focus on high-performance building design. And it varies by, you know, there are different, certainly, climate challenges and different um, construction techniques. But I would say every country I've visited has uh, HVAC professionals, has government people who are extremely interested in promoting good building design. Now, there are, there are other challenges in some countries. Um, not every country has an OSHA or um, a robust building code. They may have a building code um, that's not enforced. So there are a lot of other challenges aside from energy efficiency to make sure that we have um, healthy, well-built buildings. But I, I do see a strong emphasis everywhere I go on being sustainable. Now, going a little bit further in sustainability, can you give me your, uh, your take on the net-zero buildings? Well, I think that's a, an important goal to strive for, and there are many building types where we can achieve net zero, and that's being done already in, um, in different building types and climate areas around the world. I think it's important to recognize that we can get to low energy in some buildings, but not every building will be net zero. Um, I think it's unlikely to see uh, net zero hospitals, for example, or fast food restaurants. But that that doesn't mean there aren't really good opportunities to improve energy efficiency, um, look for, for more uh, low-energy equipment, Energy Star equipment that can be installed. So there are lots of opportunities in every building type, but not all will get to net zero. Now, ASHRAE is uh, one of the, the, the key standards that ASHRAE has is 90.1. I think everybody would agree, the minimum energy efficiency standard. Now, that recently came out with an update, um, and in uh, 2010, um, there's a user guide now available for that. Is um, every, every standard kind of builds on the last standard and is a little bit more energy efficient? Right now, I know that uh, the 2010 version, they, you know, they, they were struggling to come up with items to you know, include in that, in that, in that version, um, what do you think, uh, you know, have you heard anything from the from the committee or uh, do you know anything? How do you think they're going to make that next uh, iteration, that next uh, 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 st- the step? Well, they do have an approved work plan to increase the energy efficiency requirements in the 2013 version of the standard, and work has already begun. There were a number of agenda that were in process when we reached the cutoff for publishing the 2010 version of the standard. So we already have addenda in the pipeline that will um, increase the stringency of the standard. But certainly as, as we get closer and closer, it becomes more and more difficult um, to get significant energy savings. And I think at some point we will probably change our focus from a prescriptive standard, which we have now, to a performance-based standard. And, of course, there is a, a performance option within Standard 90.1. But I think there's increasing interest in our industry to establish benchmarks for various building types in different climate zones, saying, you know, an office building in climate zone 5 should be no more than 
40,000 BTUs per square foot per year or, or some benchmark number. Um, obviously, that's highly influenced by, by weather, by occupants, by schedules. But there's a, there's a strong influence in our interest in our industry in having these benchmark numbers, and we're working to help develop guidance um, in our industry to, to show what the targets can be. Now, are there any areas in particular where we see opportunities? No, I think it's really across the board, Matt. Okay. Now, I know that everybody doesn't get to hear uh, you know your, you speak at uh, different chapter meetings. Um, is there anything that we haven't covered that uh, you really um, you know you want to bring across to um, you know our my listeners? Man, I think it's the importance and the the importance of every individual member and the opportunity they have for making a difference. I think so often we we look to other people and we look to acknowledge leaders in our industry who are who are the ones giving the speeches or or traveling or um, writing articles, and and that's obviously extremely important. But to really make a difference, it's going to be the day to day decisions. It's going to be the discussion in our design charrettes, um, the opportunities we have for promoting integrated design in our project meetings that really make the difference. So I don't think anyone should underestimate the opportunity that they have to make a difference in our industry. I really think it's a collaborative effort that's going to move us forward and really implement integrated design in our daily practice. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule uh, to talk with me, and um, I think that uh, that'll that that'll just about do it. Great. Well, thanks very much, Matt. It was a real pleasure. All right, we're back. Thanks again to Lynn Bellinger for taking the time out of her busy schedule to speak with us and give us a little bit uh, of an inside scoop and Ashray and the goings-on, as well as a little bit about her background. Uh, I want to uh, thank you for listening. Uh, it's been really great uh, getting back on the uh, uh, getting back behind the mic and uh, recording a few more of these episodes. So I look forward to uh, sending these out on a, a more regular basis. And uh, if you have any suggestions... I would love to hear any sort of feedback that you have, any comments, suggestions, uh, show topics. Uh, you can do that. Uh, you can either go to the, my blog at buildingx.co or you can email me at matt at buildingx.co uh, or uh, you know, send me a tweet. Uh, you can direct message me on Twitter uh, at uh, buildingx. So until next time, know what you build and share what you know.